Hey, it's Brandon here. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I appreciate the download and for you tuning in. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe on any of your favorite podcast apps. We're on Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Google and the list goes on. Would appreciate if you subscribe. That way you get the episodes every Tuesday. And be sure to share with your colleagues as well these topics and these guests we talk about things that are going to make a great impact on your workplace. And it's almost better if you discuss these and listen to these together because it's only going to improve your culture and the way you guys operate together. So I highly encourage you to do that. Today's episode is with Kate Carney. She's an experienced lawyer, strategic advisor, and senior executive. And she promotes greater inclusion of women in senior leadership and investment roles to empower female founders with game-changing ideas and to encourage investment by women and in women. So she's just a wealth of knowledge. Lucky to have her on the podcast. We discuss today something super relevant. We discuss leadership and culture in a time of uncertainty. So right now we've got the health crisis, we've got social justice movement, we've got a recession. If For those listeners in Oregon, we've got wildfires and just chaos um, is what it seems. 2020 has been absolutely insane. I think most of you can agree. So we discuss how to lead in times of chaos, in times of uncertainty, We talk about what type of leader we need to be in this type of environment, what kind of questions to ask, how to interact with employees, how to get people engaged, and how to communicate with people. Because as with technology changes, things are moving so fast and everybody wants to communicate differently. So we talk about how to do that and some things you can incorporate. So you're going to leave this episode thinking, here's some tools, here are some questions I can ask, and here's some ways to engage my employees. And you're going to really enjoy this. So let me know. Hit me up on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You can email me. I'd love to know what you're thinking about the podcast overall and about this episode in particular. Hope you enjoy, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you. Hey, Kate, it is great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about leading in a time of uncertainty. I want to talk about culture too. You wrote a nice ebook early on in the pandemic. And I I would say that all the things were uncertain at the very beginning of this health crisis that we had and are still having. I would say that as things drag on, things are still very uncertain. And I'm curious what you think about that statement right there. Do you think things are even more uncertain or pretty much the same? I think they're probably on both ends a little bit. You know, we've gotten used to this remote working. We've figured it out a little bit. This fear of, oh my God, something's not going to be working and we're not going to perform. I think companies have gotten comfortable with. But what the future looks like, whether there's a second wave, whether we're done with the first wave, how long the economy is going to be struggling. I think those are still all unknowns. And I think that any company right now is continually pivoting or waiting and watching and only can look ahead 
three months, maybe two months, three months. I don't think there's a lot of long-term planning that can happen. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing about this environment. There are some companies that are probably like, wow, my whole organization's disrupted. I probably need to pivot right now, even though the future's uncertain. And then there's others that are like, okay, let's just tread water while the dust settles. But it's like, as this drags on, it's like, is the dust ever going to settle? What do we do? Do we just keep adapting to this current time and go forward? Like, what are you sort of telling people? What kind of conversations are you having about this? I think you've got to look at your business carefully and say, has the problem I'm solving changed? Has it been eliminated entirely or has it changed in some way? If I still have the same value add and I can respond to that challenge, do I have to deliver it maybe in a different way, whether that's logistically or break it up into pieces and turn a product into a service, a service into a product or something where the delivery method is different? If the problem is no longer there or it's completely a different shape and form, then you probably do have to pivot much more like a 180. And that takes some time and that takes resources. The concern with just sitting and waiting, nothing's getting clearer. And the only way you can move forward is to take any step. It may be the wrong step, but you don't want to stay stuck because you're just burning through cash that you don't have. And the runway for this is not as short as people hope. Expecting that to wait it out. Most small businesses don't have the runway left to wait it out. With leaders, I think they're always seen as strong. They're leading the organizations through these trying times. And I'm curious what sort of things they're communicating to the employees because I imagine, you know, as things shifted so dramatically, employees are, they were sort of in this holding pattern of like not knowing where things are going. But now in this current environment, they're probably having to adapt, especially those that are, they went from working in an office to now working at home. Do you think, you know, based on the conversations you've had, are they adapting really well to this generally? Or are they struggling to adapt? It's probably easy to overgeneralize, but I'm curious what you're hearing about the situation. I think employees on the whole have adapted very well. I think that companies recognize that their employees are performing probably better than they imagine in different ways than they imagine, for sure. And learning what that flexibility can do for certain employees that have to work around other responsibilities. I think for leaders, the question for me, one question of many becomes, how are we tracking performance? The metrics we use to track performance change now completely because I you know some may be able to participate a little less on active calls, some maybe more can have better deliverables if they're working at two o'clock in the morning around their child sleeping. I mean, I think everything sort of has to shift to a to respond to. But I think the nice thing is we're seeing more leaders show empathy and care about their employee well-being and figure out how they're adapting and asking what else they need to better adapt. And I think if that's one thing that comes out of this, then that's a great thing. You know, what's interesting about this time is like, if we had a health crisis like this, let's say five or even probably 10 years ago, I don't think there's any way in hell that companies adapt this easily. Because of all the technology that we have now at our disposal, I think leading people is probably easier than ever. What do you think about that statement? Yes and no. Certainly the technology has made this possible and we wouldn't have been able to adapt so quickly 10 years ago. Has it made leading easier? I do think that as people are remote, it's a lot harder to have that connection and people start to feel isolated. They start to think, you know, they're being left out of conversations. 
information starts to be siloed, you lose some of that culture. Can you manage the process and the people in the same way and have the same connections? I think collaboration can become challenging. Leadership and the ability to have interactions, it becomes challenging. I, you know, there are companies that are figuring out ways to monitor their employees at home and what they're doing, whether that's right or wrong. There should be different, again, metrics by which we're, we're following if we're meeting objectives. But I think it can be a benefit, but I do think for leadership, it's a little bit harder to keep the handle. But plenty of tech companies are entirely remote and they've done a good job. And so hopefully companies that are not are taking some tips and lessons. Wasn't it Google that announced the other day that they're telling their... Yeah, that's crazy. Like the whole 2021 year or just until 2021? No, it was deep into 2021. It's past February. Yeah. It just goes to show you that since we're so far into this, it's like, okay, things aren't changing. Might as well settle and adapt to this and just do business as usual, kind of this new way. And I think the way to be able to lead through a remote setting and during an uncertain time, both cases, the key is communication. That is the key, whether that is being transparent as a leader with where the business is and what you're thinking for employees and what you think about prospects and product development and any of those things, being very transparent, not only with your customers, but with your employees so that they understand and they're not blindsided is very important. Similarly, the communication between leaders and their employees, regular communication, setting up times, figuring out what tools are best for which kind of project, finding ways to have social interactions between employees. It's all forms of communication that make this work. You talk about in your ebook, the kind of leader that we need in this type of environment is probably one that has empathy and can instill confidence. And to me in this time, those two things almost contradict each other a little bit. I know those are very valuable attributes and personality traits for leaders. But like with us going through this together as a leader and employees, like not having the answers to questions like, how are we going to work at home long term? Or I'm worried about what our business looks like in a year. Or how are we going to do schooling with our kids while they're home and trying to work at the same time? Like not having the answer to that, like that doesn't really instill a lot of confidence. But it is an empathetic like conversation. We're all kind of going through this together, but it still leaves a lot of uncertainty on the table. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I think that's probably true. The empathy is really appreciating where people are and trying to meet them and understand where they are coming from and what their challenges are, which may not be just work-related. I do think asking genuinely how people are doing as managers of your small team really does go a long way. If you're listening and it's genuine, whether you can instill confidence, I think there is something about leadership and being secure enough in yourself to say, I don't know, right? I don't know, but I will figure it out sort of approach is the right one to take to open yourself up to information from a lot of other places, including your employees, and to be able to bring that information together and process it in a way. And as a leader, make the decision. Your job is just to make the decision at the end of the day and own that decision. The information can come from many different places and people just need to believe that you're capable of making a decision and sticking with it. And if they trust you, they're going to get on board with it, whether they agree or not or understand it, and they're going to go with you. I think there's no better feeling as an employee to have a leader say, we're going through this together. It's tough. And just an understanding around the situation. But to say, you know what, we are going to figure this out and we're going to be better long term for it. 
like that. Absolutely. I would rally around that all day long, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yes, exactly. That's what you want to hear and you want to believe. Showing gratitude is something you talk about. And in this time, because a lot of us are separated, the essential workers are probably working in a work environment, but a lot of us are working at home. And gratitude and appreciation is hard to come by, I think, especially in a meaningful way. Like we can't stop by and say like, I really appreciate that project that you did for me, or I can't write a handwritten note unless I'm mailing it. Like there's just a lot of gaps in gratitude and appreciation. How do you recommend that leaders celebrate all these little wins on a regular basis to make sure that their team members are engaged and appreciated? I think there's a few different ways. I heard somebody say they have a gratitude channel on Slack. If somebody does something for you, that's great. Thanks so much. Shout out. Really helped me. Or that was an awesome, whatever, deliverable. Thanks so much. That's one way of doing it. I think at the beginning of team meetings, managers should say something, maybe find something to be grateful for on their team and certainly encourage others to bring it up. Recognition has such a huge impact, but it could be done behind the scenes as well, as long as it's done. And I think taking a minute in your day to say, wow, somebody really delivered on something and I was happy with it. And I might as well say, great job. And at this point, if you want to keep your employees committed to the mission and passionate and motivated when times are uncertain, got to make them feel like a valuable part of the solution. They want to be in there, part of the success of the story. They matter. Their contributions matter to it, the success. That's the only way they're going to stay motivated. And then, so I think showing appreciation is one way that you keep them motivated. I think like the companies that really figure out how to do this will probably be the ones that motivate and inspire their employees to really come out on top in the end of this. And I am always looking for new ideas and ways to show appreciation and gratitude to people because I think it's so important. I mean, people are doing work behind the scenes right now, essentially. They want to be recognized. Have you seen anything that's really unique besides team meetings and things like that, just showing some gratitude to people? The Slack channel I thought was pretty interesting. That is really, yeah. That's just one way to do it. I haven't really seen other really creative ways. I mean, maybe we should spend a whole day brainstorming creatively. I mean, I do my little journal at night, three things I'm grateful for, but how to implement that in a work. There was an idea I came up with this morning because I posed a question on LinkedIn to my network. And I was just like, how do you show appreciation and gratitude for people? And somebody wrote back like, oh, I do handwritten notes. And I'm like, okay, well, unless you're going to mail it, it's kind of hard to do that. So maybe write a handwritten note, take a picture of it, and then send it in a text message to somebody or, okay. or even a video message or something. Like just to have the face-to-face like gratitude. I don't know. Like, I like Those are just a message. couple of ideas. That yeah, came. I like the video message. I think that's great. You wrote that everybody needs North Star right now. What did you mean by that? I think leadership right now has to remind everybody what the mission is. And I guess this goes back to your question about pivoting and you know, how do you respond? And I give thought to what's a short-term pivot because you're just reacting and you feel like you're scrambling and need to do something versus keeping your long-term vision. And I think your vision can stay. Your how you get there is what you're pivoting on. That mission is still equally important and we need to be reminded of it. It comes through the stories that leadership is telling and reminding the team and sharing those wins, whether it's client testimonial or hitting some numbers that we were trying to aim for. 
it's moving towards that goal. And what are the results of it? What are you seeing because of the work you're doing that is connected to your mission? And I think if you want to keep people motivated, again, motivated and connected and working hard to be part of the success, they have to believe in the mission. And speaking of just communicating the mission and vision regularly to keep people aligned with that North Star, how often should leaders be communicating information about the organization like performance and how the overall organization is actually doing? Like, you know, how much information should they provide? You don't want to freak out employees, but you also want to be real and authentic. What's the balance there with communication? I've heard some companies are doing weekly global calls just to check in and give a little bit, for lack of a better word, state of the union. I think you can give high level. Obviously, you don't have to go into details about your finances. You don't have to give every number, but you can say a general direction. We set a budget based on these expectations of how the market's going to turn around or not. We've reviewed it two months later. We're on track. We're under what we believed, the assumptions we had. We're above the assumptions we made. Some general guidelines on how you're preparing and assessing progress against numbers and any wins. I think transparent to the extent we're in a tough spot and this quarter, next quarter really matter and something along those lines, I think is important. I have one client who basically tells his employees nothing at all and are in in extreme financial conditions. And one of his employees' team meeting was canceled and basically asked, oh, why is the team meeting canceled? And you know, we're on the brink of closing and nobody has a clue. And I think you shouldn't be blindsided like that ever. You can say that you're in financial trouble, that you are exploring investors, sales are down by whatever, 200%, whatever it is, and give some context so that people are not blindsided. Yeah, I think the risk in not communicating at all is they either A, get blindsided like that, or B, they make up stories in their head about what's real. And I think even if you just provide a little bit of information and clarity around the actual situation, the employees would probably be more grateful for the communication rather than just stirring up anxiety or whatever. Exactly. And if you survive as a company and you've got this negative HR brand and your employees are out there talking, you're going to have a harder time to get talent to come in the door. We talked a little bit about like at the organization level, what do we communicate? But even for people leaders at a kind of a managerial level, I'm curious what sort of cadence is appropriate for communicating without coming off as like micromanaging. So like we have all these tools at our disposal now, but like I'm not a micromanager. I like to give people autonomy. So what do you think is the right amount of times to communicate with people? One, it's different managerial styles. I do think be careful of micromanaging. And I talk about this with leaders all the time when founders are slipping into CEO mode, letting go a little bit and delegating. And that's how you actually build a business and scale. Otherwise, you're just going to have bottlenecks and you're never going to get anywhere. As a baseline, I think everybody should micromanage a lot less. Um, I think you've got to find what the right cadence is. If you're a business with a lot of daily tasks, that's just how work gets done. Maybe it's a quick check-in every morning with your small team, a little 20-minute check-in. Anybody have any issues going into the day, need anything kind of thing. If your business is really longer-term projects, you know, maybe weekly or bi-weekly, you can get together and have a conversation and a status update. Certainly pick your modes of communication, right? If you're a small team and it's urgent, maybe you're on Slack because you're going back and forth on specs and whatever you're doing. Maybe it's IM if it's that urgent right now. but 
some things are left to email. It's fine. It's a 24-hour process. Give expectations as a leader when you're going to respond. Get back to you within 24 hours or I'm offline from 6 to 10, whatever it is. But pick the mode of communication that makes sense for the business you're doing. Any good leader, give your employees, your team members room to stretch and grow and do their job. You've told them the tasks, told them the strategic objectives. Let them execute. Jump in when there's a problem, but let them execute. Let's do a quick knowledge share on our favorite technology or tools to use working remotely. What are you recommending to employers to use? Some of your favorite tools to use? And you know, I'll share some of mine as well. I'm sure you have more interesting ones. I've got a few clients using Google Teams, which I think works out well. And obviously, everybody is using Zoom, which minus Zoom fatigue, it's holding up pretty well. And the breakout rooms are helpful for certain meetings, which I found useful. And I've got more groups that I belong to. I don't know if they're companies. So when I'm working with a company and it's not a formal phone call, they can have access to meetup conversations. And I'm finding more and more on Slack. And that actually, I like Slack better than email at this point. It seems more rapid fire, but Mm. I can go back and make the whole chain. It's working. I can keep them separate. I'm liking Slack right now. Yeah, that Slack is a great tool. And I like just the searchability of everything in an instant. So that is amazing. We're using Microsoft Teams just because we're so Outlook heavy. I like it because it integrates, but I don't love it from a technology. I think it's a little bit behind most of the other tools. Yeah. Like I use Zoom for a lot of meetings and I breakout rooms and I think overall quality is better. A lot of us are using the same tools. It's just more of a matter of how are we using it to its maximum ability, you know? I think that's right. I think everybody is playing with it in different ways. And certainly there's going to continue to be new technology for remote learning. I mean, I think you want to go after a hot sector to see that's the one to follow. Whoever's going to get out of the gate with newer technologies going into the second half of 2020, early half of 2021 is going to do well. Yep, absolutely. I want to end with this. What are some ways to maintain culture and develop personal relationships from remote? And you can get as creative as you want with this, but I'm curious like how coworker to coworker we can maintain relationships, but also even at the leadership level. And you know, how do we bring out some personality into this and develop and go deep on our relationships? For me, culture is based on its relationships. In practicality, it's sort of tactical. So it's how your work gets done. And that's between your teams and the processes that happen and how it gets done. And to get done, you need to have collaboration, cooperation, idea sharing, all of those things, which interesting as a total side note, I wrote this morning about EQ and the importance of team EQ to be able to work together and collaborate. But you know, build those relationships. It is some social interactions that help you get to know people outside of who they are on paper. Everyone's doing happy hours, game nights. I played Family Feud. I've done a scavenger hunt. I That's had, fun. Yeah, the scavenger hunt was interesting. You know, I have those Slack channels on certain interest groups, the wino, the design freak, whatever it is. I've got those interest channels that are good ways to get to know people who share similar. But at the end of the day, it's still about how they interact. And that's giving them the tools, the technology, that's checking in on how processes are working, where there are chinks in the chain, where people are not 
acting courteously or giving everyone the benefit of the doubt or participating fully and identifying when it's starting to become a little dysfunctional is important. And it's easy to become very siloed when you're working remotely, both feeling siloed and isolated as a human and information to become siloed. I think it's important to try to remember both, connect relationship-wise and make sure collaboration is happening on a business side. Something you wrote in the ebook that I thought was really good about like personal interactions and just going deep on the relationship. Starting a meeting with asking a personal question. And there's something I ran across that I wanted to share with you and the audience the other day that it's a website called icebreaker.range.co. And it was it's basically a list of all these icebreaker questions from like really, really easy ones to like going deep in the really hard questions that would really probably <laughs> allow you to spill your guts a little bit more than you probably want to. But happy, happy balance somewhere. Yeah, but like if anybody's struggling to just come up with questions that might spark some personal dialogue and get people to really get to know each other from remote, that was a really cool resource that I found. Because I agree with you. I think that's a great way to start a meeting. Add some levity. It adds some personal connection. It's a break from whatever you're talking about. It's a good way to start a meeting. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Where can people learn more about you, what you're up to? Just point people to anything that you want to share with them. You can shoot me an email. It's Kate, K-A-T-E, at K, the number 8, Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. And I will shoot you the ebook if you'd like that, or we can talk about whatever you want. And on Instagram, it's k8.carney. Awesome. Kate Carney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure to have you. 